You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. This is the Great Pets Radio Show with professional dog trainer Brian Kilcommons and Dr. Jim McKiernan of the Great Bay Animal Hospital. The Great Pets Radio Show. Now, here's Brian and Dr. Jim. Good morning. Welcome to Great Pets Radio. This is Dr. Jim McKiernan. It's Sunday morning with Brian Kilcommons. We are live. Good morning. Well, there's good news on the puppy mill front. Uh, Pennsylvania dog laws have put a serious dent in the reputation of Pennsylvania being a puppy mill of the East. Officials say a two-year-old law has driven most commercial breeders out of business. Scores of substandard kennels have opted to close in complying with strict new health and safety standards. That frees at least 14,000 dogs from bleak conditions where they got little attention. Breeders who've stayed in the business have spent thousands of dollars to upgrade their kennels, which is good news. There's a big... uh, Hubbub out in East Hampton, New York. You know, they have all these beaches. And yeah, yeah. yeah, people are allowed to run their dogs. Well, some people are unhappy with that. You know, the dog owners say they pick up, and the non-dog owners saying they're not. Oh, boy. Hey, get back to this. How about these people that say, I rescued this dog? So the, you'll hear, you know, we do use the term rescue if we went to a rescue league or a shelter, somewhere where we, we got a dog other than buying it from a breeder. But when they go to a pet store... And they make those multiple visits, and they finally say, and you can't blame them. You know, they grab that cute little Yorkie, and people will say, we rescued it from the pet store. <laughs> That's a rationalization. I know. Well, think about it. I mean, No, but really. basically, I, I'm helping continue the cruelty of the puppy mill industry. Mm-hmm. That's what the reality is. How they want to rationalize that, that's their business. Mm-hmm. But as far as what the reality is, is that they're keeping these puppy mills thriving. Because, you know, in Pennsylvania they've attended to it, but Missouri and some of the other states still have these huge breeding mills. Mm-hmm. You so, bet. So what do you think? Give us a call at one eight 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 four four one nine eight seven six. But I was thinking with this beach thing, with uh, Ryan Hampton Beaches. Correct. Do they allow dogs early in the morning? Uh, early in the morning on leash, yes. Uh, on leash. And what about poop pickup? Well, it's your responsibility. Uh, <laughs> right, but a lot of people rationalize it. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, we, we actually we had a lady on the show last year who was part of this kind of, uh, you know, citizens. I don't know if you remember this, Brian. But she's part of a citizen program where they were, they're, they're out there. They're watching. They're people making sure that people are picking up and, right. and, and following the law. Because, quite frankly... There's a lot, and this goes everywhere. This goes, I mean, I went down to Cape, Cape Cod last year, and some of the beaches on Cape Cod are just beautiful. They're wide open. They go forever. And I went down. I pulled into the parking lot, and you know what the guy said to me? First thing out of his mouth, no dogs. <laughs> I didn't, a, I didn't have a dog. Right. But B. An employee or? Oh, yeah. This was, yeah. you know, a kind of a retired gentleman, a nice guy who was doing his summertime job, but I mean, if there isn't enough beach on Cape Cod, we can't take our dogs down to. So we got to take what we have up here in the seacoast, and we got to say, okay, we're lucky to have it. I was in Hampton with Sarah, <clears throat> so we're watching this couple, and their dog relieves himself. And they look at it and walk away. And Sarah's like, hey, you forgot something. Yes. You know, and they didn't pick it up. They considered it an affront that somebody would actually call them on not picking up after their dog. And I think this is where dog owners need to turn around. When you see somebody whose dog goes and they don't pick up after it, you should be on them because they're going to be closing the beaches to you. Right. So as far as doing this. 
But there's a big brouhaha there. So, interesting. Yeah. No, we're lucky to have it. And you know what? Walking down that beach, firing that tennis ball, getting that lap in and out of the water, it's a great sight to watch, and it's great for the dogs. Let's just not abuse it and lose it. Well, should they start closing the beaches and the parks to dogs? No, that's what I mean, we're going People need to weigh in here. Give us a call at one eight 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 four four one nine eight seven six. 888 Speaking of weighing in, they're talking about a new dog park in, in Dover, New Hampshire. Nothing but net. Yeah. I think it's great. Nothing but net. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, you're in the Celtics. I know. Yeah. <laughs> hey, they're in Durham, uh, North Carolina. There is a group that is going around and helping people um, fence in yards that aren't to get dogs off their chains. You know, a lot of communities have yeah. passed non-tethering laws unless the dog's supervised. So what they're doing is going in and fencing dogs off. It's a coalition to unchain dogs, and it works directly with owners to convince them to give a chained dog a better living situation. In addition to the free fence, all dogs are spayed and neutered and given an exam by a veterinarian. Organizations like Spay Neuter Assistance Program, Pet Population Control, and others give the coalition services at discounted rates, helping the coalition do its work. Um, this is a great idea. Mm-hmm. You know, for, especially now, if we get together and help people that are a little bit stressed. Because one thing we do know on a behavioral level, if you chain your dog out, it develops aggression. There's no two ways about it. They're not meant to be on the end of a chain. Oh, anxiety. <clears throat> not only anxiety and fear and aggression and kids teasing them, and it doesn't work out well for anyone. So as far as doing that, um, maybe we can look at doing something like that here. Mm-hmm. Good idea, Jim. You should start it tomorrow. <laughs> Okay. Our number is one eight 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 four four one nine eight seven six. You need more responsibility. I need. More, I do need. I'm just going to say that. Yeah. Hey, um, we're, we're going to be joined uh, early in this hour from a, a professor at the University of New Hampshire named Alan Eaton. Alan has been going around. He uh, not going around, but he gave a talk on ticks. He is an entomologist. So he's going to be calling in later, and uh, we're going to be talking about... So he's a bug guy. He's a bug guy. But, uh, you know, recently there was an article in the newspaper stating that New Hampshire has the highest incidence of Lyme's disease in the country. And a lot of people I'm meeting are really saying that ticks are heavy this year, so uh, going to get some good information from Dr. Eaton. Give us a call at 1-888-441-9876. We'll be back. Hey, boy, how you doing? <coughs> what am I doing? <coughs> I'm creating your own life book. It's a website that's just for you. Remember that picture I took of you pulling off Lisa's bathing suit? (laughs) Yeah, I know. Me too. I'm putting that awesome picture on your life book page. We'll see what comments we get. And that great video we took of you standing on the table with your head inside the turkey? That's definitely going on there. No, it's easy. It only took me two minutes to set up your page. I chose a great theme, and I can connect with millions of other pet parents. I can also create a memorial life book. No, not for Grandma, but we can make one for Fluffy, remember her? And we can even put links to our favorite pet charity, and friends can make donations. People can create their own life book for their pets by going to PetLifeRadio.LivingYearsPets.com or they can sign up on the Pet Life Radio homepage. Where's Lisa? She's outside by the pool. Hey, come back here. <coughs> Create your own life book for your pet. PetLifeRadio.LivingYearsPets.com 
coast to coast and around the world, it's All Behave with Arden Moore. Find out why cats and dogs do the things they do and get the latest buzz from wagging tongues and tails in Rin Tin Tinseltown. From famous pet experts and best-selling authors to television and movie stars, you'll get great tail-wagging pet tips and have a fur-flying fun time. All Behave with America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Every week on demand, this is the place for a special paparazzi treat, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back. You're with Great Pets. Give us a call at 1-888-441-9876. Hey, question. Mm. Do we have too many pets? Are there just too many dogs and cats? Listen to these numbers. In the UK, there are now 50% more dogs and twice as many cats, between 6 and 8 million of each, as there were in the 1960s, and a total of 24 million pet animals, excluding fish, on which we spend around $4 billion a year, and that's in pounds. And Britain is not unusual in this. The U.S., which has five times as many humans as the U.K., has 12 times as many cats and dogs. In Beijing, the number of pets and dogs increased from 100,000 to 1.5 million between 2001 and 2007, while India's pet dog population has tripled from 3 million to 10 million in the past decade. What's that tell you? The expansion of the global pet industry, which is now valued around 70 billion by Euromonitor and market analysis, has slowed during the economic downturn, but not in a way that anyone has been panicking just as of yet. It grew 4% last year. I well, the thing is, use of resources. Yeah, but it's also use of discretionary monies, and I think that what you're seeing is you're seeing these countries like China, who now is in this whole new era of, you know, of their of wealth. You bet, and and owning a pet is uh, it's discretionary monies, and if you are in a position to do so, then you reach out and do it. That's I mean, that's it. Yeah, but we're still wrestling with, what, 5 million animals a year in overpopulation in this country? And a lot of people are wrestling with making, the, you know, paying their vet bills. I mean, yeah. that's that's a, that's a challenge well, for a lot of people. Well, vet bills, food bills, you know. Yeah. So. Anyways, but um, we're going to be joined by uh, Alan, Dr. Eaton. Hey, Dr. Eaton, you with us? Morning, Jim. Hey, good morning. Thanks for calling Great Pets Radio. Say hi to Brian Kilcommons. Hey, Dr. Eaton. Hello, Brian. Hey, thanks for being on. You know, I, uh, Dr. Eaton, I had, uh, well, let me just briefly introduce you. I mean, you're a professor and an entomologist, correct, at University of New Hampshire? That's right. Yeah. And recently I had read a little, they put a small little thing in the Portsmouth paper stating that the incidence of Lyme's disease is the greatest, is, is the highest in New Hampshire for the entire country. So that really caught my attention. And I know that what you deal with is a lot of the human side of it, you know, uh, in understanding ticks and how they transmit disease, but but the bridge here is that we see the same thing with our pets. So the limes, the alichia, the Rocky Mountain spotted fever, the anaplasmosis, the we you know we try to counsel people how to stay away from tick areas and and you know and things like that. So. Um, what are you saying in New Hampshire in terms of, well, how did you come up with, well, was that your statement to say it's the highest incidence? Because that's, that was an alarming line that I saw. It, it, it wakes you up, doesn't it? Yeah. 
uh, that uh, in fact you can you can confirm those data yourself uh, by going to the centers uh, the, the the website for the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention and checking up they have a, a, a section on statistics and that's their data and I believe those are the latest data they have posted which I think are from if I remember right from 2009 maybe it's two, maybe it's 2008 to gather all this stuff and put it together takes them some time yeah. and of course it's 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 good that that listeners understand what we mean by the incidents right it's not the highest number of cases in the country. Uh, it, it's the highest incidence. And the incidence is the number of cases that are reported for every 100,000 people that live in the, in the state. I gotcha. And uh, we're... So, uh, uh, chant, Brian, you're going to chant with me, too? We're number one. <laughs> hey, you know well, what's amazing I, about this? Go ahead, I'd, I'd rather have a different number one. Yeah, maybe that's me, too. <laughs> but it's hitting home. I don't know if it's hitting home with you, Dr. Eaton, or Brian, but suddenly now we're meeting people who we know who got limes. Who have, and, and, and now we're seeing physician practices looking for it. Right? Yeah, and and to me, one of the one of the big factors is just raising the awareness. Yes. Uh, and if we can, it, it means there's a lot of people out there that aren't um, protecting themselves adequately. And the only analogy I could think of was brushing teeth. Um, it, it, virtually everybody in in, in our state, uh, or the adults anyway, <laughs> have have learned that brushing teeth is important, and it's something you pretty much do every day and people understand it and yet during tick time when people go outside very very few people check themselves every day for ticks and my gosh you could get a serious disease uh, uh, if you don't do that so what is tick time dr eaton well uh, the the right now is the highest risk time of the entire year june uh but the the risk from black legged tick um, starts up uh, in uh, sometime in in March uh, uh, when uh, things begin to uh, warm up a little bit, uh, but uh, it gets a little bit more significant in April, May, and of course June is our biggie month. In July, the risk kind of depends on what the weather is like, because uh, uh, if it's really rainy and so forth, then then it, then then at least the first half of first half of July can be. Uh, Fairly, uh, fairly ticky. <laughs> How many types of ticks are there, and do they all carry well, lime? Let, but let me finish. Sorry. And then things start up again in the fall. So for the adults, the high risk time, the adult ticks, a black-legged tick, the species that can spread this, the high risk time is spring and fall. And for the nymphs, the high risk time is June. So, uh, so I guess the lowest risk times are August. Early September and maybe January. <laughs> mm -hmm. Okay. Now you're referring to the black-legged tick. Is that another term for you know the, the deer tick that people commonly know of? That's the correct name. And of course, the the, the name deer tick is a is a name that has uh, been replaced. It's it was uh, um, uh, fallen as a synonym. Right. And so the correct name is black-legged tick. Yeah. Yes. They're 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 the same critter. Okay. And and this is of course it's this is the species that has the ability to spread Lyme disease, also ehrlichiosis, which you mentioned, yes. uh, which well actually now uh, that particular one is uh, 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 called uh, 
anaplasmosis, and it also has the ability to spread the organism that causes babesiosis. Correct. And all all three serious uh, human, uh, 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 significantly serious human uh, diseases here. Now, in terms of uh, transmitting, a lot of ticks that we see in New Hampshire will carry limes, correct? But isn't there just one tick that will transmit, or will they all transmit? Good. You've, you've said that really well. Actually, there's two that have the ability to transmit it. One of them, of course, is black-legged tick. There's a second species which doesn't have a common name, and most ticks don't have common names, and it's Ixodes murus. It's very, very, very similar, very hard to distinguish without a microscope from a black-legged tick, and it's partially competent. Sometimes it can transmit it to, to another host. So other species of ticks that we have here, they might contain it in their bodies, so I guess you might say that means they could be carrying it, but they don't have the ability to transmit it. So the major vector is black-legged tick, and then murus has the ability sometimes to transmit it. You know, we're fortunate with, uh, with our pets that we have a vaccine that does work in a lot of cases. And in people, is there one on the horizon? Uh, there was one a few years back, and uh, it was, uh, it was uh, I'm trying to think of what year that uh, came on the market. Right. And it had, it had some problems with it in that some certain people were, were not, um, they weren't the target group that would be uh, where you would use this. All right, Dr. So e, we're going to go to break. If you could hold on a minute, we'll be right back, and we're going to continue to talk about this fascinating information. Can do. Okay, this is Dr. Jim McKinnon with Brian Commons. You listen to Great Pets Radio, and we'll be back. Hey, love to read, but just never seem to have enough time to sit in one place long enough? For all of us on-the-go people, Audible has the answer. Best-selling audiobooks for your iPod or MP3 player. For Pet Life Radio listeners, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 14-day trial to give you a chance to check out their service. Choose from hundreds of today's bestsellers, including awesome pet books such as Bad Dogs Have More Fun by Marley and the author John Grogan, Love That Cat by Ingrid Newkirk, It's Okay to Miss the Bed on the First Jump, and Other Life Lessons I Learned from Dogs by Seinfeld's John O'Hurley, and many, many more. To download your free audiobook today, go to audiblepodcast.com forward slash pet talk, P-E-T-T-A-L-K. Again, that's audiblepodcast.com forward slash pet talk for your free audiobook. Hello, I'm Deborah Wolf, and I'm inviting you to my animal party on Pet Life Radio. My pet experts will be coming to the party to answer your pet questions, and they'll also be sharing their favorite stories and messages with us, but I'll be asking them some tough questions. We'll get their opinions on the hot-button topics like the pit bull ban, pet food, vaccines, religion, politics, and animals, cat decline, and the latest news, whatever's turning the animal world on its head, we'll be talking about at the animal party. This party's got bite. Every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. 
Welcome back to Great Pets Radio. This is Dr. Jim McKiernan with Brian Kilcommons, and we are talking with Dr. Alan Eaton, who is an entomologist from the University of New Hampshire and uh, who is the tick expert. You know, Dr. Eaton, um, ticks, they don't jump on people, right? Or dogs. What happens? How do they land on what do they jump? <laughs> well, they uh, they uh, they really don't have the uh, legs to 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 do that to jump and so forth. They most of the ticks we encounter we encounter really down low uh, around our ankles. There's a couple of species that are a little higher up, but uh, uh, virtually all of them that we encounter are going to be below the knee. Okay. And then when they end up on your head or someplace like that, it's just because they ended up crawling to reach that point. So they, 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 we encounter them nice and low in the vegetation, and that's that's how they get to us. So one of the suggestions that we could have for both people and dogs is to keep the vegetation low in your yard and your property. Is that um, actually that can help a lot, especially if you if you uh, can keep it mowed. And the reason is that the more you, uh, uh, if you have vegetation your uh, in your property. The more you expose it to sunlight so that it's open and dried out and so forth, uh, drying out kills is probably the mortality factor that kills most ticks. And so the reason that works really well is that uh, uh, it exposes them to the sunshine for so long that many of them don't survive. So it's a really good way. I don't know how you explain to the dogs and cats that no, not even for a second are you going to go over there. That, that's Jim. That's your job, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, we can. We do have an invisible fence that we can set up, which a lot of people use. But I think, in general, if people know that they need to keep that high brush down. Yeah, uh, the, that's thick, the thick brush, the tall grass, that's where they are. What about it, sprays? I mean, you can, there are companies out there now who will come to your property and they will spray, I, I guess, a pyrethrin-based compound. There's a number of materials that are that are available. Uh, actually, uh, some of them are actually pyrethroids, not pyrethrins, but um, they're available. In fact, the publication that... Uh, that you and I talked about uh, earlier when we spoke uh, the other day is on our website and it explains more about the, uh, the, the options people have for pesticides and there are, uh, there are some that can work very, very well. Uh, the best technique is usually with one that's done by a commercial company because they've got these power sprayers that can put a lot of pressure and really stir up those dead leaves and things like that, and that, that's where we're aiming for, not the, all over the shrubs and trees, but down low is where we're aiming for Dr. with that Dr. Eaton, stuff. is there a specific insecticide for ticks, or is all the, you know, the, with honeybees and the challenges that they have? There's, there's something on the order of 20 or 30 chemicals that are registered, and each of those has various formulations, so there's probably hundreds of products in New Hampshire that are legal for ticks. So, yeah, there's a lot. And a lot of them work. Is that what you're saying? A fair number of them work quite well, okay. and there's a few in particular. It's hard to, w without starting to go over a lot of technical no, names. No, I don't want to. But I just want to relay to people that people can spray, and if you do spray for ticks, should you do it like every month, or is it a one-time deal for the year? How often do you spray? If it, uh, well, uh, I have I haven't done so because okay. to, uh, to me, uh, spraying the property is one of many options you have to reduce your risk. And me, I haven't done that. Okay. But if I were to do that, if I were in a situation that was uh, 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 where I, I thought that was important, I would try to do it uh, at, at the right time of year, which typically is. Uh, uh, late May or June, if we're talking about uh, a black-legged tick, and one 
treatment a year should be enough to do it if it's done properly. That's right now. If it's done properly. That's right. For, for that particular species now. Yeah, interesting. What about guinea fowl? I, I hear people talk about how they went out and got a you know guinea fowl chicken that's walking around and eating all the ticks in the yard. Does that work? Uh, I do not know. I have looked, uh, uh, searched and searched for years in the scientific literature for somebody who's done a, a controlled experiment on this. You see it in the in the co- in the uh, common literature all the time in the magazines that it's going to really help. But I can find zero research to prove whether that does or doesn't help. Okay. So I don't know. How about removal of ticks? You know, we know with people they get that big. Uh, half of them perhaps will get that big red bullseye and that we don't see commonly in dogs maybe because they have a lot of fur etc but what do you say in terms of removing the tick should you pluck it off with your fingers i've vaseline can you is that like choke them or what what are your thoughts on removal of ticks once they're when i when i was a kid and i was taught the way to remove ticks from my dog was to touch a hot match to it or to slather it with vaseline and uh, we recommend that people do not do that because we worry that the tick could in its uh, could could inject you with spirochetes <laughs> when it does that so don't do that instead we recommend taking a pair of forceps or tweezers so you can get a good hold of the tick and we're trying to grab it as close to the head as possible close to the skin as possible and slowly but steadily pull it out. It may take only four or five seconds. It may take 30 seconds. Mm -hmm. But that's the way to do it. And we recommend checking yourself daily during tick time. I do it every night before I uh, go to bed with a nice bright light and mirror. (laughs) Uh, Talk to us a little bit. This kind of gets away from the pets a little bit, but I found this to be uh, interesting when I was reading some of your material, and that is a new law that was passed in February in New Hampshire. Is there a new bill that was passed? About about the physicians treating limes. I do not know the status of that. That was pa- it, it passed the House. It was okay. introduced. It was a House bill. It passed the House, and then there were hearings in the Senate. Okay. And apparently, they're still discussing what's going on. The idea was to allow long-term treatment with antibiotics. Mm-hmm. And, of course, that's quite controversial because uh, it, it, some people feel that can help patients, but, of course, that's a risk as well because we worry about uh, antibiotics de- uh, organisms developing resistance to antibiotics. So uh, I'm, I've been waiting to hear the results, and I haven't heard that that has been concluded yet. So we'll, we'll find out. One of the things I wanted to mention, uh, we were talking about pulling ticks off. After you pull them off, what do you do with them? Um, in in my particular case, I flush them down the toilet, but uh, uh, other people might. Or actually, more often as not, I, I put them in a container to bring them to the next lecture I give on ticks. Yeah, well, you've got a reason <laughs> for that, Dr. Eaton. Um, if people want to squash them, they really have to do it between like a couple of rocks or some other hard surface. But I often just uh, uh, toss them uh, down the toilet. A, a good trick that uh, we use is scotch tape. <laughs> and that'll that usually makes sure they can't get anywhere, doesn't it? Yep, and it suffocates them. And there's a certain, you know, perverse pleasure in that. Yeah, <laughs> they're, they're they're just they're just nasty, you know. I mean, I had this woman came in from uh, she was a professor at UNH and she was moving back to California. You know, she did like a one year for UNH teaching and professor, and 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 she said, I cannot wait to get out of this New England because of the ticks. 
So for those people who aren't used to it, they really are nasty little things. You know? Yes, and, and, and in fact, I, ho- I hope she wasn't moving back to Northern California because they've got Exodes Pacificus there. Uh, maybe she's from Southern California. She was. She was from Southern, yeah. <laughs> which in in up, really dry places, it's hard for them uh, ticks to make a living. Well, which brings up a good point because we are so mobile with our pets. You know, there are different diseases in different areas of the country. Are you finding that the diseases are starting to, you know, basically move north from south or vice versa? I'm not. I'm not somebody who follows that, so I just can't tell you. I don't know. Okay. Okay. Well, then, yeah, yeah. You are not an epidemiologist. We will. We'll. We'll grant you that. But here's yeah, the I, thing. I'm. I'm an entomologist who sometimes gets information on these other things, but that's one I, I don't know. But don't here, know. here's a question, though: Is the are the number of ticks on the rise from where we are in New Hampshire? Um. The the. The number of black-legged ticks, yes. which is our, which is our second most common species, and, and the numbers of American dog ticks have been increasing, and in both cases, their geographic range in New Hampshire has been increasing. So okay. yes to both. Okay. So, and it's essentially a two-year cycle, correct? With yes. Ticks? Yes. If they if they're lucky enough to live the be one that lives the full life cycle, it's two years long. And, and my understanding is a lot of people will come in and they'll say, well, do you think it's going to be a good, a bad tick year or a good tick year? Because everybody has feelings on that, whether they pull a bunch of ticks off or not. But my understanding is, is that, that if you have a very, very nice cold winter, like right from the get-go, without that blanket of snow, you can get rid of some of these ticks. But if you yeah, get that... you're, you're right. If we have a, a really cold winter when it's open so that they don't have that insulating snow cover, that can kill a good many, yeah. and that can be one factor that can knock things down a fair amount. But, but something like off on people, that's not going to keep them off you, huh? Um, there are repellents. And, of course, Off is a brand name that, that includes five or six or seven different products yep. with different materials in them. So I, I'd have to look at the individual label. There are repellents that work quite well on ticks. DEET is one of them. And there's some other new ones that are coming along that are now available in products in New Hampshire. One of those active ingredients is called Picaridin, P-I-C-A-R-I-D-I-N. And another one is called IR3535. You've got to look at the ingredients on the label to see those things. Well, do you have any suggestions on the amount of DEET that is effective? Uh, follow what the uh, labels indicate. The, the label will give you some clue. The higher concentrations tend to be more effective, but for some people, really high concentrations of DEET can be a concern. And DEET has some problems, especially for young users, very uh, kids and so forth. And that's one of the reasons that having these other options that we now have is good. In fact, on our website, I've got my publication on ticks, and I've got a new one on insect repellents as well. Can we and get, it can fill people in on more info. And can we get that website? On, could you give that uh, to it's, us? Uh, it's easy to go to, extension.unh.e. D-U. Okay. And then the easiest way is to use the search box and and uh, type in insect repellents or type in uh, the, the, the publication name for the tick one, which is called Biology and Management of Ticks in New Hampshire. Well, keep up the good work. Get the word out. Fight the good fight and, and, and do the same. Yeah. I think if we raise awareness 
uh, we will really reduce the incidents here. Okay. Well, I'm with you on that one. And I want to thank you on, for taking time this Sunday morning for calling Great Pets. You're welcome. Thanks, hope, Dr. Uh, hope we've been helpful. You have been. Thank you. Very, Brian. very knowledgeable. Thank you so much, and have a great Go Sunday. Go Brian. This is Dr. Jim McKernan with Brian Kill Commons, and we'll be back after this break. Greetings, human. What planet am I on? Welcome to Pet Planet. Here's a copy of Pet Planet Magazine, Florida's most informative and fun pet resource magazine. It features heartwarming stories and informative articles from local and national pet experts. Excellent. Pet Planet Magazine offers Operation Planet Rescue, helping rescued pets find new homes. And it's available at 500 locations in South and Central Florida and 24-7 on the Internet at PetPlanetMagazine.com. If you're out and about with your pet, you may be featured in paparazzi, candid pictures of you and your pet. For up-to-date pet-friendly events, activities, and pet-related services and products, Pet Planet Magazine is your final destination. I shall take this magazine home with me. Back to your home planet? No, to my condo in Boca. Pet Planet Magazine. Check them out at www.petplanetmagazine.com or 352-394-8578. It's out of this world. Ladies and gentlemen, Pet Life Radio proudly presents DSPN, the Dog Sports and Performance Network. Get ready to unleash the dog sports enthusiast in all of us. From ski drawing and mushing to racing, agility, and competition, this is the place to learn all about the dog sports and activities that you can do with your furry best friend and canine competitor. So get ready for game time. DSPN with your host, Lori Williams. Every week, on demand. Only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Great Pets. We're live. Give us a call at 1-888-441-9876. Another big thanks to Dr. Eaton. He was uh, terrific about ticks. Yeah, what a great interview. You know, I just happened to read about it in the newspaper. He spoke uh, earlier this week at the Seacoast Discoveries Audion Park, um, kind of a little educational thing he did. You know, with aggression, now it's routine that I'm going to get a tick panel. Get a snap test to see if the dog has limes because it does influence behavior. Well, I, you know, I, I said to you off air, you know, I live in fear of this disease because I do now know so many people that are getting it. I know children that have gotten it. As a matter of fact, I have a friend, a very close friend's daughter who just got it. And the pets, I'm seeing so many pets, and I cannot, all time of year, though. The difference between, I, I do have to point this out, from my understanding recently, from what I've been told, is that, yes, right now is the worst time of year for the little, the nymphs that he called it, right, in the, uh, May, June, right now. Right. That's really for people. What they're telling me, and this is from Dr. Dryden, who's like the tick expert out in Kansas, uh, Kansas is that the, the little nymphs don't really like dogs, so it's the fall that we really get hit hard with it. But, you know, Brian, it's one of those diseases that just when we think we know what we're talking about with this thing, I'm telling you, I don't know if we do. And it's a reason to vacuum, big time. Because what the ticks do is they feed on the dog or cat, drop off from the house, and then lay eggs. We have Linda on the phone from Derry, New Hampshire. Good morning, Linda. Hello, good morning. morning. I just wanted to call um, 
and say, I had talked to you about a year ago. I had an Alaskan Malamute. Yeah, well, had, were you the one who used to listen to our show in your car? Yes, you do remember me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, she had severe leash aggression. Okay. And you had encouraged me to get help, and I just wanted to say a big thank you because uh, now she is so much better. Oh, that's great. She, she, when we meet up with other dogs, she looks up at me, pays attention to me. Oh, congratulations, got, Linda. Yeah, we got a great trainer, and she got her canine good citizen uh, award, and she is now working to compete in Rally Novice, and she should be tra doing her trials soon. Wow, good for you. So you're getting so, some exercise there, too, then. Yeah. Yeah. You, but, you know what's um, so nice about this, Linda? You know, when people call up with a problem, when the dog's aggressive with other dogs, you know, you took the steps and the time to change it around. And it's doable. And aren't you enjoying her so much more now? Oh, yes. She's so sweet. <laughs> and people comment on how well-behaved she is instead of looking at me like, how can you not keep your dog under control? <laughs> well, she's, she's got a good mama. Yeah. You, you did well, Linda. We're very proud of you. But yeah. I just wanted to say thank you and say to anyone who's listening, if you have a problem, it is fixable. Right. You well, you know, Brian used to say, well, still says, you know, anybody who said you can't teach an old dog new tricks couldn't train dogs. So uh, I'm just really proud of you and Brian as well for making the uh, suggestions to get some help. And this okay. isn't a little dog. This is a big dog you own, right? Oh, yes. Yeah. She's, she's 85 pounds and sure. a, as strong as can be. Yeah. What did you, when you were training, what have you learned, Linda? I have learned that she has to pay attention to me. And like the trainer said, you pay her bills, you pay her vet bills, you feed her. She needs to pay attention to you. You don't run around after her and say, no, no, come back here. Right. Yeah. And, and what I do is um, if she's not paying attention to me and looking at another dog, I just turn around and walk the other way and she gets surprised and goes oh i guess i should have been watching you. you you're giving her a choice pay attention to the other dog or pay attention to me yeah and Good. um you know she gets praised i would have never thought she could sit in her training classes in a room with 10 other dogs you put them in a down walk out of the room everybody walks out of the rooms and the dogs stay down and just stay and wait for you do you, do you think your communication with her has changed and the relationship has changed? Oh, yes. How definitely. so? Yeah, she's, she's turned into a great dog. Well, she has a great she, owner. Yeah, she always was sweet and lovable, but she just would, you know, just would act out. Hey, so the title of our book, Good Owners, Great Dogs, is not far off, is it? Yeah. <laughs> and, and they did tell me, you know, she may not like other dogs, but she can learn to deal with it. Right, right. She can't beat them up. Yeah. That a girl. And, hey, are you sitting in your car listening to the show? Oh, uh, no, I, I have okay. the computer on. I'm okay. listening to the computer now. Terrific. All well, right. Linda, thank you so much for calling, and congratulations. Okay, All thank right. you. Take care. Thanks for Bye. calling. That's just great. I love hearing really good success stories. This, this is not a little dog she's talking about, no. a big dog. One of the things I'm telling clients in Ulan I have is, you know, your expectations have to meet your input. And a lot of people are saying, I don't want you to do this, and yelling at the dog or holding the dog back, but they're never really learning how to get control and where they're developing an opportunity to praise. Right. 
<clears throat> and that's the big difference with training, where you really teach the dog, you do this, and you're going to get my attention, and it makes a huge difference. I love I loved her answer to you, and that was to focus. The dog needs to focus on me. Listen to me. Right. That is great. And you don't, Brian, and you don't need to do that with, you know, corrections or yelling or screaming. You can have fun doing this. You know? <laughs> it's a, it's a, depending upon the dog and the approach, and we have a lot of tools from head halters to you know training collars to food reward. Each dog and owner is different, but right. there's a number of different ways of approaching it. But holding on to the lead where you have a tight lead and yelling no is just going to make the situation worse. <laughs> no! Yeah, no! <laughs> oh, okay, they're upset. We'll all get them. Uh, a number this morning is 888-441-9876. Dr. Jim with Brian. You know, I had a couple of people come in as of late, and it was not from this area, Brian. It was it was more from outside the region, we'll say. But um, they were asking if I could do an anesthesia, anesthesia or sedation-free dentistry cleaning from there. I'm sure you could. You know what? That's a great answer. I probably should have said that. You could, but why? This is something that is really not something that I would be promoting in my practice. I mean, when we do a dentistry cleaning, you you need to, to sedate and get them knocked out to do a thorough job. You just can't go in and just kind of peel some of the stuff off the teeth and send them on their way. It is not good medicine. You, you it know will what? come back. When I go to the dentist and I'm going to have a deep cleaning and where they're going into the gums and stuff. But you're a person. You can sit there and get, open your mouth and turn this way. And, and no, 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 no. Where's the gas in the Novocaine? <laughs> <laughs> don't give me that stuff. Uh-uh. But we can't do that with dogs. And I don't think what people realize is that you need to anesthetize the dog so you can get a thorough cleaning done. Just scraping the tartar off isn't going to do it. And also with scraping that tartar off, don't you have to polish the teeth afterwards so you don't develop kind of places for tartar to grow? That's it. You got it. So every time you peel the tartar off, or the plaque, or the calculus, we call it, you leave divots. And those divots got sanded out by the enamel on the enamel by the toothpaste that we used after the fact. And without doing that polishing, you are inviting that bacteria to come back in. It's in like a, a little tartar farm. Yeah, you got yeah. it. Very All good, right. Brian. So let's talk about this when we get back right. here with Great Pets Live. Give us a call, 1-888-441-9876. It's time for school for you and your friends, your furry best friends. Train your dog the fun and easy way with Teacher's Pet Sessions. Teacher's Pet host, Pia Silvani, teaches you step-by-step how to train your dog the fun and easy way. You get eight 30-minute live audio training sessions, complete transcripts of each session, plus a basic training manual to get you and your dog off to a great start. Training begins the moment you bring your dog home. Teacher's Pet Sessions offers positive reinforcement training to shape your dog's behavior and encourages upbeat, enthusiastic responses to ensure that your dog will enjoy learning. Teacher's Pet Sessions dog training is fun at both ends of the leash. So listen, learn, and laugh with your dog with Teacher's Pet Sessions. Get your copy of Teacher's Pet Sessions Volume 1 today. To order, go to teacherspetsessions.com. Hi, this is Pia Salvani, your host. Bring your dog, tug toy, and treats, and get ready to have some fun. TeachersPetSessions.com Aquariums and pond keeping are among the most popular of all hobbies in the United States and throughout the world. In fact, 
Fish are probably the most numerous pet in people's homes and in their businesses. In Aquarium Mania, we'll learn more about the secret and not-so-secret life of fish and other inhabitants, the basics of good aquarium keeping, the complexities of the aquarium industry, and the science and art that surround this fascinating hobby. I'm your host, Roy Anong, and I'd like to thank you for joining us. Aquarium Mania. Every week, on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. PetLifeRadio.com Welcome back. You're Franco Commons and Dr. Jim McKiernan from the Great Bay Animal Hospital, and we have Peter on the line. Hey, Peter, welcome to Great Pets. Thank you very much. How uh, uh, can we help you? We have a rough coat, a female rough coat, Jack Russell, and for the breed, she's very docile, uh, loving, uh, patient and is the perfect dog except during thunderstorms and uh, we had a little alumni celebration over at the alumni center not far from us the other night with the fireworks and we wondered if there's anything we can do to relieve her because what she does is wander around the house growling until she really gets frightened and then she tries to crawl in behind toilets, in behind us. I mean, is there anything we can do? Well, uh, did you take her to the alumni function? No, no. Okay. No. Um, yeah, what I would do is probably put a blanket in the bathtub. Oh. And put her in the bathtub. Right. All right. That or a kennel. Yeah. Well, we uh, the we adopted her, and the former owners uh, have relayed to us that they used to put her in a cage with a blanket and stuff. Yeah, and what you want to do, Peter, is... You Sounds know, kind of cruel. <laughs> n- not by any means, because the dogs, that confinement is safety to them. Right. Oh, okay. The, the other thing is what you want to do, instead of just waiting for a thunderstorm, you don't want her to connect it. That the only time she's going in the kennel is when there's a thunderstorm. Oh, right. So what you're going to do is get some treats, make it really comfy, put a bed in there, throw some treats in, let her run in and get them. Ah. Right? And ah. you do that once a day... For a week, you're going to find you're going to be walking past the crate. She's going to be running in there going, hey. So there's a really positive connotation with that. There's also a toy called the Kong, K-O-N-G. And you can stuff that with food or they have some aerosol stuff that, you know, it's like cheese whiz for dogs that they really like. And you can fill that and leave that with her in there. But make it a positive place. And don't forget, dogs are different from people. So that confinement really acts as a safety factor. The other thing about thunderstorms is they don't know if the magnetic field or the pressure, but most tubs are lined with metal, so it's grounding. And some dogs are just more comfortable there. Uh, Comfortable in the... In the bathtub. Oh, in the bathtub. Oh, I got it. I'd use the bathtub of the crate for her, and any time you see her starting to walk around growling and getting upset... Yeah. Get some like some chicken or some really high quality treats. Start laughing and playing with her and throwing treats around. Yeah. All right. What most people do when they see their dog is upset, <clears throat> they get concerned. They're going, "It's okay, it's okay." And what you're doing is you're telling the dog you should be behaving like this. <laughs> that's exactly what I do. It's okay. okay. That, it's okay. Well, that's gonna go. Oh, there's incoming. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. I call it setting tone. 
So right. you're going to act the way you want her to act. Right. Okay? Very good. Thanks a million. Anytime, Peter. Thanks for calling Thanks. Great Pets. You bet. Take care. You know, there are those dogs, Brian, where all the suggestions you have said, crate is a great idea. Um, you know, they talked about countering the effects of electromagnetism, you know, putting like, I don't know, some kind of shield or cape. I don't that, know how that, true that's... that is, but... With some dogs, that wrap works. But the bathtub works out just as well. But the other point I want to make up, when we were talking about having your dog's teeth clean. Yeah. I want the anesthesia. I don't want to stress my dog heavily, and for it to be done properly, right. the dog has to be anesthetized. Thanks. You know, it's just no two ways around it. So what these people are saying that you don't need it, you're not going to get a good cleaning done. You know, and I don't want that dog stressed, my dog stressed. Last point on the thunderstorms. Sometimes, Brian, behavior doesn't work, behavioral modifications, and we need to give him some type of medicine because you do, you will get those dogs that will hurt themselves, dive through the windows. Make them comfortable. Drug call, them. call your vet. <laughs> call us. We'll help you with that so we avoid those things. Yep. Anyways, what a hey, great have, week. Have a great week. We'll be back next week. Take care. You've been listening to The Great Pets Radio Show. Join Brian and Dr. Jim next Sunday for more informative pet talk. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.